Hi everyone, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet here. Dr. Liz, welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Before we jump in, please note that the podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. I do hypnosis all over the world, so please feel free to contact me through my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z-hypnosis.com. Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here. Our interview today is with Bill Protzman, and he's a pretty amazing musician and very compelling to listen to. So we get a good mix here of hearing his personal story and about how at one point in his life, he was really convinced he was about to kill himself and then how music helped save him that night. So we move from that to how he uses music to work with veterans to help them recover from PTSD and then to how you can use music in your own life to help you work through feelings or to help develop compassion or understanding of someone else, as well as the more simple questions of how long does it take to learn an instrument? And what do you do if you want to become more proficient at it? So I hope you enjoy it. And for the listeners in the United States, have a very happy Thanksgiving next week. Peace. Hi, Bill. Welcome to Hypnotize Me. Hey, Elizabeth. Happy whatever. What are we on? Wednesday? Happy Wednesday. We're on Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> yes. yes. So I have been anticipating this interview, and I have a couple of questions for you. But let me just get started by asking you how you got started in this field for the listeners. Oh, wow. It sounds like it's a field that, 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 that's an impressive. <laughs> we can call it whatever we like, right? How did we you get started doing this work or this spiritual transformation or this, um, yeah, yeah. whatever. So I, I was, Soul soothing. That's I was how I think born of it. into this field, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. music has been minding me all my life and the longer I live, the more I become aware of that. And the more that there's sort of clinical research that supports this kind of feeling I've had since when, since I was a kid, um, the activity of turning it around and saying, it's not about me playing the piano. It's about you learning how to use music as a tool that started to happen in earnest in the early two thousands. And by 2007 or so I was in the lane and focused on that and okay. came to San Diego specifically to do that specifically to work with programs that were doing self-care, like for veterans playing the guitar mm. is helpful in post-traumatic stress. So I got involved with guitars for vets and, I love teaching homeless people about how to use music as a tool because it's free. And if you're homeless, you, you need tools, yeah. especially when they're free. So, um, it's is Guitar a, for Vets a program? Yeah, it is. National nonprofit. And it's, it's a cool idea. If you're a veteran, go to your VA hospital, sign up for the program. They'll give you a practice guitar and 10 lessons for free. And then once you graduate from 10 lessons, you get a brand new guitar of your very own. Wow. So that's you, cool. you you leave the program with this, you know, they raise money for that with this brand new guitar. I think they're from Yamaha. They're nice guitars. Uh -huh. And a lifetime of relief from post traumatic stress. How how much better can it get? <laughs> yes. So let me just ask you about that program then. How do you see it as um, relieving post traumatic stress? Gosh. Uh, so there's research studies on this. 
And in, in the research studies, for people who aren't familiar with this kind of thing, if you are going to do any intervention for something and you can come in with, you know, 15 to 20% effectiveness, that's an amazingly good result. Mm-hmm. That's, we all go, oh my gosh, that's an amazing good result. So when you're doing any program, pick anything, uh, there's guys who beat each other up and then talk about post-traumatic stress. So pugilistic offensive warriors is a program, you know, MMA followed by roundtable. Mm-hmm. These programs, they actually work, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh-huh. And it, it sounds crazy, but there's a fishing program and there's lots of guitar programs for veterans too. So the studies support the fact that veterans who play the guitar are getting this result. They're reducing mm-hmm. symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And the, the studies also support how fly fishing helps reduce the symptoms of post-traumatic stress and how MMA reduces the symptoms uh-huh. of post-traumatic stress, right? And, uh-huh. we're, and we're all going, hey, 15 18%, whatever, uh, we're getting results. How do they work? <laughs> I think, and this, isn't, this hasn't been studied, so don't quote me, but I think they work because those programs are one-on-one. You, the uh-huh. teacher, the volunteer, are helping the veteran to do something, some modality, fly fishing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, playing the guitar, that creates a connection. And music is great at this because when the connection is open, stuff can change. Mm-hmm. And that might be you as the instructor helping a veteran play two chords cleanly and the veteran talking to you about things that he's never talked about with anybody before. Mm-hmm. We could yes. call it peer counseling, but I don't like to get into that clinical language. Uh-huh. It's more yeah. about just being there, just being a human being and showing up mm-hmm. and allowing someone who's across from you to be seen, you know, as a veteran, yes. a guitar player, as a fly fisherman, whatever it is, just like holding that space. Who is that talks yeah. about that? Um, holding okay. the space. Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. somebody, um, Brene, Brene Brown. Brene I think Brown. talks about yeah. holding the space. It's that. And if it turns out, and somebody will do the study someday, I guarantee you, but if it turns out that it's really just about showing up and mm-hmm. holding space, gosh, you don't have to have any special skills for that. <laughs> All you have true, to do is show up. <laughs> well, I would imagine, though, that uh, music teachers are pretty patient people in general. Yeah. And what it reminds me of is the mirror neurons in yes. the brain. Yes, there you go. We know that someone with a more disorganized system is going to mirror the person with a more organized, calmer system. Right. So that would be the teacher in this case. And I remember I took 12 years of piano lessons and I I think eight years of flute. And um, I used to get my teacher like talking so that I wouldn't have to play. (laughs) But my flute teacher in particular um, was really a role model to me. Right. In the way that she talked and mothered me and and, um, I took lessons. I was still taking lessons during the year that my father died and she was just really there for me. Yeah. See that, so, that's the, that's the master student relationship yes. that, that is so incredible. If you're fortunate to have it, I had it with two or three of my teachers and um, at various different times of my own awareness of what it is to make music, the teachers mm-hmm. were there with, with life experience that yes. helped me stay in my lane. And of course, I've done my own work and research on this and, and unpacked a lot more of that. And I can really tell you how powerful music is now and, and why. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you don't know that when you're the veteran with the guitar, you're just looking for relief. Just anything that makes the, the, yes. the demons go at least quiet for a while. 
Uh-huh. And, um, you know, if you want to dive deep into that, you could go as far, I mean, you could theoretically go as far as I have, music saved my life. Or you could go with the research of people who are, who need half the pain meds when they're listening to music mm-hmm. versus the people who get the full dose when they're not. I mean, wow, stuff is out difference. there. So, yeah. you know, we can, we can go down those lanes too. And of course. Well, absolutely. I, I would like to know how music saved your oh, life. Well, yes. Let's, Quite a statement to no, make. Let's talk so about that. I want to follow up on that it's one. It's important, but there's some background first. Um, okay. One of the things that's, that's new in the research is post-traumatic growth. Because they've decided or learned or whatever, who cares, that trauma is necessary for us, for human beings, to, to step forward, to grow. We grow through pain. Now, people grow mm-hmm. without pain, too. That's fine. But if you're experiencing trauma of any kind, it's not meant to be permanent. It's meant to spur you to understand what's happening and sort of internalize that and then let the trigger go so that you can move forward in your life, not be stuck with your symptoms. Yes. So the medical establishment is treating symptoms, right? Treating symptoms, treating symptoms. Okay, we've got these people medicated enough. They don't feel post-traumatic stress anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bad idea. Because the idea is, is to go forward. And look around us, all the blown up veterans who are motivational speakers or leading large companies and just they're, they've grown through that incredible traumatic experience. Yes. Well, it reminds me, I was actually, this is 10 years ago, even more so. I had severe uh, PPD with both my kids and a woman had contacted me. I don't know how we found each other. But she wanted me to be part of a study. She said, did it lead to transformation in you and growth? And she was doing a qualitative study. And in the result of the study, there's several women in it, and she ended up publishing a book about it, was absolutely it did. Like we hit, would we have wanted it to happen? No, nobody asked for that. Nobody (laughs) wants it. Right. But was it something that led to growth and transformed our lives? And absolutely it did for me. I became a, a PPD specialist because of go. that. Yes. So it's that same kind of concept of this growth. If, if we put that lens on it, then it becomes easier to step into perhaps there's something positive that to move through gain it, right? from this and to move through it. So the, the idea here, before I told my own suicide story, is that, is that you can accept these big emotions and these traumatic experiences that happen in a way that allows you to move through them versus resisting them and keeping yourself from the opportunity that is there, mm-hmm. like stuck inside the trauma. And, you know, all of us were born. So the first trauma in our lives is our birth. Mm-hmm. And that trauma is necessary to get us breathing on our own. There's, there's yes. like physical results of that traumatic experience that are important. So the idea behind post-traumatic growth is even bigger. It's if you can get to a place where you can accept the emotions that come to you, accept them mm-hmm. and somehow process them, they won't continue to bother you. Even if it's a traumatic trigger, you can let that go with EMDR or hypnosis or something. You can let go of the traumatic energy mm-hmm. and retain the power of the emotion, which is yes. huge. It is. It's the fighting against it. Yes, the, it's resisting, people right? people stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the resistance. Music is powerful for me anyway, because when I learn to accept those big emotions, I also learn to allow them to move, to move through me. 
instead mm-hmm. of stuffing them down because I didn't want to be too angry. I didn't want to be scared. It's not a good time to be sad, right? Men are good mm-hmm. at this. <laughs> We're yes. taught how to do this. But that's just exactly backwards from the way our human systems are set up. Mm-hmm. We're resonators. You know, we resonate for everything. And where we go wrong is we start judging how we're feeling. I don't mm-hmm. like being scared. Well, who does? I mean, yeah. But if you say, this fear is coming to me and it feels terrible, but I allow it and let it flow rather than resisting it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the resistance is, it, it, it'll kill you. <laughs> but the allowing yeah. empowers you. It just yes. totally empowers you. And music is designed to get us in touch with big emotions. Mm-hmm. It's a trigger Definitely. for big emotions. Provided that we don't stuff them or ignore them or resist them or judge them. I don't like that music. You know, that kind of thing. If we let, just allow it, then those emotions are going to come and go, come and go, come and go. Mm-hmm. And it's non-binary. You can be happy and sad in the same piece of music at the same time. Yes. It's really cool. And, and you know, emotions are like paint. They, they mix and blend, and it's just not all anger. It's anger plus a little bit of fear means that you're a little frustrated, you know? Mm-hmm. So the way that this works with music is a practice. <laughs> At the piano over there, mm-hmm. when you sit there, your job is to get in touch with the big emotions in the music and perform them in a way that lets other people experience them too. True. And there's varying degrees of success, but that's your job. You're just this, it's, it's like being a physical uh, mirror. Your job yeah. is to reflect the emotion in the music so that people can see it or feel it. Mm-hmm. Do that well, satisfying performance. Don't do it at all. It's going to sound boring and flat. Yes. And true. when you're playing big emotions, you don't have a choice. You can't say, well, this is the happy part of the song. This is the happy part of the song. And then when you come to the sad part of the song, go, and this is the sad part. And it just be like, <laughs> I'm just going to play this to get through it, right? <laughs> right, right. Yes. You've got to go sad. Otherwise, the performance won't be effective. So in, in my practice of that, from an early age, it was allowing big emotion, allowing big emotion, allowing big emotion. And of course, I got psychologically messed up because outside of the piano, I didn't have a vehicle for that. <laughs> you know, when I got angry and I wasn't at the piano, uh-huh. So I've had to learn how to reinterpret my life. But I got to a point, even knowing all this, where I wound up one day of my life in 2007. It was actually the Friday of Labor Day weekend in 2007. So um, great long weekend coming up, but I wasn't in a holiday mood. Uh-huh. I was just flat. Oh, my kids were off at college. Some wonderful things had happened. My daughter came out to me, and I was just so thrilled to know that she was in such possession of herself that she knew, you know, mm-hmm. that this was her life path. And um, I'd been married and divorced then and bankrupt to get out of my marriage. And it, there were things that were just done. Mm-hmm. It was just finished, right? But one of the things that wasn't done was I had a show coming up. And in this show, a really important piece of music for me, one that had been around for me for years was on the program. Mm. It's a very sad piece of music. It's, it's by Rachmaninoff, just a sad, slow piece of music. And I was programming the show and, and I realized I needed to play this piece. Mm-hmm. But the show had gotten to such a deep place, I didn't know how to recover. I didn't know how to turn it around. I didn't know how to uh-huh. make the contrast happen. Uh-huh. And I was sort of like, you know, I was okay with that. I figured it would, something would happen and work itself out. But that particular evening, I just felt like I had finished it all. And I really didn't care too much if I ever did the concerts. And 
I had people I could call. I could call my therapist or call some friends. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to let it all go. And, and instead of reaching for a rope or a gun or something, I sat in the chair and I took my own medicine and put on that piece of music where I was so stuck. Mm. And I just let it play. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe you know, like listen to it one more time before mm-hmm. it's all over. And I just let it play. And as I sat there watching the sun go down, I started to weep. Now, that's not all that unusual. I mean, mm-hmm. when you experience big emotions on purpose, the effects of them come up. Yes. So I was all right with that, but it was different that night because I was weeping uh, at a level I've never reached before. Mm. It felt that deep and that low. And of course, along with those feelings were, you know, this may be the last night that I'm breathing mm-hmm. on this earth. I didn't have a plan or anything I was going to do, but I knew that I was facing this very deep moment of my life. And I don't know how long I sat there um, weeping, but eventually um, I woke up. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone into whatever that place was. And you know what? When I, when I woke full dark outside, but when I woke up, I felt awake. I've, mm-hmm. I've never felt that awake. And of course, I was drained. I was so tired. And so I went to bed and, uh, and slept soundly. I just said, you know what? Whatever I need to do, I can do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I woke up early in the morning with voices in my head. And that's not that unusual because often there's a monologue up there. And yes. <laughs> that morning, um, the words seemed to be in some kind of an order. And I realized that I ought to write them down. Mm-hmm. And it felt like I was taking transcription. And when I was done, there they were lyrics mm. to a song. And there were like four verses and a bridge. And it was this funny little silly song. I'm like, what in the world? Where did this come from? You know, I'm supposed to be the depressed suicidal guy. So I wrote these all down. And, and then I knew it was done. And the next thing that happened was music started playing in my head. Uh-huh. I've never had that happen before. Music I hadn't heard started playing in my head. And I quick, mm. you know, grabbed some music paper and started writing out this melody uh-huh. And by noon, I had a complete song. Wow. No, I don't sing. And <laughs> it'd be foolish for me to think that I should ever go in front of an audience and perform anything like as a solo piano singer-songwriter kind of a person, uh-huh. right? So I sat there and I said, well, who in the world is going to sing this song? Who can I find to sing this song? And I'm, I'm not kidding. As clearly as we're talking today, the voice came and said, Bill, you are. Huh. And at that moment, I realized what had happened. <laughs> This song was the thing I needed in my show to turn the corner from that incredibly low place. Ah. The music that I'd spent the, ne- the night before listening to in the chair from yeah. that low place to this other place. It was the, the contrast. Oh, yeah. And it started to, yeah, there's a transition. And I started to realize that if I could pull it off, it wouldn't matter how well I sang it. Because oh. if I did a good job, the audience would be with me at the low place. Uh-huh. And I could follow it with this funny little song <laughs> that had come. Yeah. And that would be enough to create the, 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 um, the tension release that's necessary to turn the show from a very sad low spot to an up, up, upward sort of trajectory. You know? Beautiful. And, did you do um, it? Did you end I up did doing it? it? You <laughs> did. <laughs> I did. I and what happened? Did oh, the audience it, it stick with you? It worked. It worked. And people who know me looked at me funny when I started to sing. But, uh-huh. um, but it worked. 
And um, I realized more importantly than that, that I had been given this incredible gift of a purpose and a meaning that I didn't have on the Friday of Labor Day week in 2007, Mm. that I did somehow have on the Saturday. Yeah. And I've been writing that for 12 years now. So uh, I Mm. know how that took place and my willingness to be with that deep um, darkness, Mm -hmm. I believe is what opened me to a lightness that I've never experienced before. Oh, wonderful. So, um, and, and I don't, you know, I still think about suicide and I choose to keep breathing when I need to. Mm-hmm. But that little event has inspired me all these years. And I imagine it will continue to do so until I find something even deeper to go to and, and yeah. listen through that to a place where it goes even higher, you know. And yes. that little envelope of feelings that are allowed that was in my family, like you couldn't be too sad or too happy. Mm-hmm. It keeps expanding. These, these little traumatic events that come along keep opening that envelope. And it's, op- it is, it's a safe opening. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still afraid of it. But I know that if I bring my full attention to music, it will mind me. It's not going to make me kill myself. Mm-hmm. Quite the opposite. It's going to allow the feelings that are stuck, that need to move, to come up and out and in safety without medication, very safely, obviously, effectively. Yes. yes. And, and just unlock the potential that's there. Yes, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I had um pretty young I had trained myself not to cry mm-hmm. as a yeah. protection in my family. Yeah. And um and so when I was in therapy in my 30s, my therapist said, You have to relearn to cry. And she's like, However, you do that, you put on the sad TV show, and that was like Grey's Anatomy for me. You know, yeah, yeah. it would get me there, it would get me there somehow. Yeah. But music was part of that. I remember making this playlist labeled for when you're depressed. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was all like very sad music, yeah, because it would get me to release, and that's what she really wanted me to do is release. So it serves that function for, I think, a lot of people and can therapeutically. Yes. And as long mostly as we, it's free these right. days. Yeah. As long as we allow it, right? Yes. We have yeah. to allow it. It helps right. to allow it. Mm-hmm. You know, and not like, be scared of it. Yeah, not be afraid. Um, it, it's really hard for me to listen to fear. That's my big one right now. Okay. So if I put on a fear playlist, that's, that's my most difficult mm-hmm. emotion right now of the top four, fear, anger, sadness, and joy. What would be a fear playlist? I'm just curious if you don't mind sharing that. No, no. All right. So... We're coming up on Halloween. I don't know if we're going to air before Halloween or not, but it's great in Halloween because all the scary music comes out, right? Uh-huh. Um, the Nightmare Before Christmas and oh. the Bach Dakota and Fugue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The organ piece and the Rachmaninoff has a prelude that always comes along at Halloween uh-huh. to frighten us. So it's like that's the time we go to classical music, Night on Bald Mountain from... Got uh, it, yeah. Whatever all those Night songs. Yes. So, um, and, and there are plenty of modern scary songs, too. Um, I was surprised by one, and it, and it got me at a really deep level. Um, a new artist named Brittany Holland, I think I have her name right, or Brittany Howard. Okay. Um, a mixed-race singer who grew up in a, in a terrible way. It's very difficult to have been mixed-race in the South in our history in America mm-hmm. uh, in the last 30 or so years. So she sings this song called Goathead, and it, mm. she sings it because people in the neighborhood used to leave a goat head on the back seat of their car 
Oh, geez. Oh, my gosh. And I'm listening yeah. to this song, and it's kind of an upbeat sort of a song. Mm-hmm. And then I realized what I was listening to, and the lyrics are just like this. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. This happened to you? Uh-huh. And you know it did. She's singing authentically right from her own heart, mm-hmm. right from her own experience. But it frightened me mm-hmm. because, you know, this the issue we have with skin color in America, as, as crazy as it is, it's still there. Yes. And yes. how you can dial up that kind of hate. Yeah. Right. It's beyond me sometimes. It, it I don't does, yeah. truly it, grasp that. And, yeah. and um, I can't imagine what it must be like to be afraid of having a cross burned in your yard or, yeah. uh, you know, a, a goat head in, in the backseat of your car. Absolutely. And yet there it is. And so um, I, I was very scared by that. And, and I want to say, because people sometimes associate fear with something that you can't put aside. Like mm-hmm. you have a chronic fear of drowning or whatever. My chronic fear is a fire. I, I'm mm-hmm. chronically scared of fire. But when it comes to you in music, it, it isn't something that requires you to do anything. It's mm-hmm. just words or the sounds. And it's okay to be like scared. It's like going to see a scary movie. Yeah. You know, you know you're going to be scared. And you just allow it. And, and then the fear comes up. And I learned something about myself, which I hadn't learned before. And that was what it's like, maybe, to stand in the shoes of someone who's been that, in that place, mm-hmm. you know, who's been the child, wondering what's going to be in the backseat of the car that morning. And, and I can feel something of what it's like to be that way. And who knows if I'll ever meet Brittany in, in person, mm-hmm. but I feel this connection that's like a visceral connection mm-hmm. at a deeper level. And when you feel that, you can't be separate you know Mm -hmm. once you share an emotional connection it's durable yes you know yes and if it was fear that did that then you know fine i'm good with that but it also um has released the charge the frightening part of fear is released and what's left is this empathy Mm -hmm. and 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 whatever power that i might need when that issue comes up in whatever way that it will, and it will, mm-hmm. to be able to say, wait a minute, we're all human here. Mm-hmm. We all share our, our basic emotions are part of every human, every living thing in the world res- resonates emotionally. Yes. Why it's on the other so side of fear is compassion. There you go. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. What would you recommend... Yeah. What would you recommend for, um, you know how people say sometimes, oh, you're feeling sad and depressed. Well, you need to put on some happy music, uh-huh. right? <laughs> so <laughs> Wait, what, would, out. <laughs> yeah, what would your recommendation be? The hardest thing is changing that mindset around because, I mean, yeah, we want to be happy. We don't like some emotions. We do like others. But if you immediately try to shift from sad to happy, for example. First of all, you're missing whatever it was in sadness that was there for you. And by mm-hmm. stuffing it, you're also giving yourself some psychological trouble you're going to have to work out someday. Um, mm-hmm. it, it turns out that a lot of my issues are um, related to emotional neglect. And I was loved as a child, but I was only loved like in this little bandwidth where love goes deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And by limiting the bandwidth, I also wound up with a bunch of psychological stuff that I had to work out, you know, yeah. when I started therapy in my 30s. So, you know, it's fine to switch your 
mood around. Mm -hmm. But if you're sad, it's just a mood. It's just chemicals, you know, brain chemistry or whatever. And it's there for reason. So honor that reason. Play some music that's sad and give your body a chance to process that sadness. Yes, and then once it's yeah. done that, you'll find yourself in sort of a neutral place. And if you need to go happy, then play happy music. If you need to go you know, productive, then play productive music. If you need to go whatever it is, you can pivot from there. Mm-hmm. But you can't pivot when one foot is still stuck in the mud. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? It's true. It's true. So I advise to feel, feel the f- feelings fully and mm-hmm. build durable practices around that so that when you need them, they're there. Oh, I love that. So what would be an example of a durable practice? So um, in in my case, I'll go back to the suicide music. This incredible piece of music found me one day when I was pretty sad and and it connected with me at my heart level. And so I've kept it around because it's a great piece of music for sadness. And over time, um, our human systems will remember music. Mm -hmm. We just do that. It's like a built-in superpower. And what gets really good is (laughs) that... When you need music, you get the same physiological effect from remembering it mm-hmm. as if you put on the music and listen to it. And this is so cool because it means that if I need sad, I can start to play my sad song in my mind. Oh, yeah. Right. And I have the physical response. Yeah. And, and I don't have to go all the way through. It's like that. You have it. It's, it's authentic and it's mm-hmm. dialed in. True. Yeah. But you do need to practice to get there, you know. Okay. So um, the science is that the songs you love are your most powerful songs. So in you, in all of us, there's songs we love that yes. we'd recognize if we heard them, right? Uh-huh. And we have access because they're in there. And, and if you dial up that access, you get the emotion with it. Well, what happens when people get stuck, let's say, mm-hmm. with yeah. some music? Right? Like that's all they'll listen to or that's all they – or they get stuck in a, a decade or – you know, what's going on there? What's the process there? Well, I like to say change your music, change your life. So if you're finding that your <laughs> life is flat <laughs> and that you're only listening to, um, to Katy Perry or only listening to hip hop or whatever, if it's really narrow, if the bandwidth is really small on your music, uh-huh. you've got a lot of opportunity. Um, and, and you'll know this because you say to somebody, so what's your happy song? And they say, Amazing Grace. And you say, what's your sad song? And, it, and they say, Amazing Grace. Amazing and, and, Grace. <laughs> right? And, and, what's your, and, and it'll go like, you know, what, who's, who's your favorite artist of all time? Um, well, I don't know, Elton John. Um, <laughs> why do you like Elton John so much? And you find out that they haven't really listened for comparison's sake to anybody except that one thing. Uh-huh. And God bless you, power of positive uh, thinking people. Positive psychology, that's amazing. But guess what? There's more to it. So if your emotional bandwidth is contained in only one genre of music, uh-huh. chances are there's an opportunity there to sort of expand the diet. An all-sugar diet is great, but uh-huh. only if you want to live to be 20, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Right. You know, right. so um, the opportunity there to open up the musical um, appreciation, what a terrible word, but to open up the musical diet can also yes. open up the emotional diet in a oh. way that you might have been resisting. Let's face it. I resisted uh-huh. for a long time. The range. So the range the becomes range. wider. Yeah. I mean, you can play a one note guitar, but it's got six strings. So it really helps to be able to play chords and, it does. you know, to, to, <laughs> yes. you know, to evaluate. So then <laughs> do you recommend like giving it a certain amount of time or because I learned in my 20s, not my 30s, that um, 
even if there was music I didn't initially like, if I listened to it enough, I'd actually grow to like it. Yeah, it has value. So, it does. Uh, you can supercharge your your need for more music, first of all, by identifying your top 40 or whatever, and then mm -hmm. figuring out if you've got something that covers the four basic emotions. If you've got music that's sad, okay. if you've got music that's happy, music that's fear, music that's anger, mm -hmm. if you've got sort of an even blend, you, you're good. Most people don't. Most people yeah. don't. Um, it takes work to build, to practice your four primary emotion music. And, yes. and most people don't do that work. Musicians do because that's what we do. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but having something that fits for each one of those four categories is sometimes a challenge and it's a necessary challenge because mm -hmm. if you are stuck not being able to feel anger safely, let's say, yeah. um, you're going to have some issues. You know, right. they, they might leak out or they might stack up and leaking out, you're sort of acting out on anger. Mm -hmm. Look around us at the at social media today. There's a lot right. of anger leaking out. Yes. Or in my case, it became depression. Mm -hmm. And I experienced chronic depression because I was stuffing my anger all the time. There's seven billion people are going to have seven billion responses, right? Different ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about like Screamo, right? Like would yeah. that be someone who lives in anger? You can live in like anger, that's what it but, evokes in me. <laughs> you you know, know, I'm like I can't listen to it at all. Talk, just talk like about the, developing my range. You know, I'm like no thanks. It, it, you know, it's but, useful, but living there the whole time, I don't know. And and there are people. Uh, there was a study on this, an article recently about how um, people who are really into metal find that it is joyous music. Really. And I understand that. Technically, I understand that. And there have been some metal concerts that I've been privileged to go to. I mean, I, it really is a privilege. Mm -hmm. where the the incredible complexity and and richness of the music is just it it, it blows me away True. it's that complicated and um if you get joy from that i mean who am i to judge mm -hmm. right um, yeah. it it's it's like that so while it doesn't work for me if we sat down together and listened to some screamo um we'd be able to talk about it in a different way because we'd be able to say okay we we realize that neither of us like this music Mm -hmm. But what's the content of it? What's going on emotionally? Are mm -hmm. there lyrics that are inspiring us in some way? Or are there lyrics that are, um, that are hurtful in some way? Because mm -hmm. those lyrics have information that we might be able to access more quickly than the complexity of the music that, that's around them. Uh -huh. You know? Yeah. Um, what's, what is the beat doing to me? Do I feel the pulse of the music? Is it making me want to move, you know, to dance around? Yeah. Um, is, it, is it in some way numbing me? Mm. You know, what's, what's the, our response to that, the somatic response that we have to this music? And we, you and I could talk about that. And we mm. might reach a place where eventually we both understand exactly why we don't like this music <laughs> you know, in, in a much more rich way. But on the other hand, we might reach a place where we know that we've got some musical tool that might mm. help us in a given situation. Yes, or understand somebody else. Who does like it? Or say. yes, or and like, that's what the beauty. Is it activating in them. You know, and music doesn't just do one thing, it's holistic. So even though we have an intellectual conversation and understand our emotions and it becomes like this thing, mm -hmm. the same music is still working on us physically. It's still working on us mentally. Like it's either mm -hmm. improving our intellectual acumen or whatever, or sort of deadening it. And that's right. on purpose. I mean, you don't go to the dance floor to do your math homework. Right. <laughs> You're yes. there to move. So yeah. there's that component. And then there's the most amazing thing of all, which um, people don't like to talk about this too much, but that same music, whether it's Screamo or Bach, I don't care, is having a spiritual 
impact on us. And mm. that's a loaded word. So what I mean by that is it, it can create the opportunity for an authentic connection between us. Okay. It can create the opportunity for a connection to something bigger than us, sort of a oneness Absolutely. connection. Right. Um, it, can, it can soothe the savage breast, which it does really well. Mm-hmm. And it does that by offering a space where we can come together. Like that veteran that sits across from you with a guitar. Yes. The music is opening up that possibility for safety and recognition. And in many mm-hmm. cases with veterans who are injured in some way, honor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Because even injured veterans who have internal injuries that you can't see yes. um, still need honor and recognition and human connection and kindness and all of that. Yes. And, and those things for me, because science hasn't totally explained them yet, I'm just calling them spiritual. So if it comes to gratitude and kindness, those are spiritual practices. Absolutely. And, and music makes you do that. Compassion. Yes. You know, when was the last time you went to a, a, one of those kumbaya kind of concerts where there was a sing-along and I don't know how big the band was, but you just want to reach out and take the hands of the people next to you. Maybe you're in church, you know. And the, yeah, right. You don't know them, but you're all but you just do, right? this connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And that's the spiritual component of music. And to be honest with you, and this is so crazy, Elizabeth, but I have seen more spiritual connections like that happen in alt genre concerts than I have mm-hmm. in mainstream concerts. Mm. So, you know, sometimes it does. Like this, I went to see Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, uh-huh. and there were 50,000 people at the Hollywood Bowl or whatever. Uh-huh. And the last half of the concert, everybody was singing along and holding hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, how does this yeah. happen? Right, right. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I had a follow-up question though to the guitar lessons. Sure. Because I know at first learning an instrument is typically pretty frustrating and takes a high tolerance. Yeah. I didn't like it. I hated playing the piano as a kid for a long time. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I did not have a choice in that. um, Nor did I. But later I was grateful. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Me too. But, um, how many lessons do you recommend that someone stick with before they really, I, I guess, reach a tipping point? And oh, that may, to, to learn it may be a setup question because it may be one lesson for somebody and 20 for another, but is there a typical, like an average? You know, I, I don't know. Um, it, it does depend on the, the influence of the teacher, mm-hmm. for example. So I was my mom's first piano student and 30 years later, she was still teaching piano. 40 years later, she's still mm-hmm. teaching piano. But her, her way of teaching had changed. Yeah, I and I know that if I had taken lessons from my mom, like as a three-year-old, 40 years down the road, um, I would have had a different experience mm-hmm. than the one that I got when she was start, starting to learn how to teach piano with me as, you know, mm-hmm. people number one. So I don't know. One of the most satisfying things, though, about music is being able to, uh, which we can do these days, is to play along with songs you like. Oh, yeah. Right. Now, if you if you can't play you know like flute at a level where you can play along with Lizzo, don't worry about that. Grab a hand drum mm-hmm. because you can be a percussionist because that's what we all do. You know, we all vibrate, we all resonate, we do yes, we do tension right. and release pretty easily. Yes. And and grabbing a hand drum and playing along with music you love is an incredible way to engage yourself with the music without a whole lot of technical um, requirement. Oh, great, great you know tip. I mean? Yes. And, yeah. and, and just making music, or lots of us like to sing along with music. I don't have Absolutely. a voice, but you know, I still sing in the shower and, and in the car and whatever. And, yeah, me too. In fact, I didn't even know I was bad until 
<laughs> until suddenly <laughs> until what? i had kids <laughs> kids were like oh my god yeah you know there's so much like youtube you can figure out pretty quickly if you're going to be able to be proficient on an instrument because if you want it uh-huh. we'll figure it out if you don't want it, if you pick up a guitar my fingers don't do that bendy thing and so <laughs> guitar isn't for me right yeah. i could work hard on playing the guitar and i wouldn't be satisfied mm-hmm. and i know that but until you've picked up a oboe or something or the bagpipes or a wooden flute or pick any instrument. You Mm -hmm. you aren't going to really know what it's like, but it's so easy to do that anymore. You know, go out there and and find a hand drum. They're cheap or rent one or even rent a piano. You can rent a piano and see if it's something you work. Keyboards are under a hundred bucks now at like Target. (laughs) Yes, they (laughs) are. Right. So you can quickly find out, you know, without a lot of time and treasure. It's true. And there's all kinds of, um, free lessons on YouTube. Oh, totally, and it's yeah. really amazing. It truly yeah. is. And apps, but, even. You, know, you don't have yeah. to know how to play an instrument to get the benefits of music. You just have mm-hmm. to know how to play a flat screen, right? All it takes is Spotify right. or something. Right. Or you build yeah. a playlist and, and go for it. Awesome. Well, we are coming to the end of our time. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank Can you. you please tell people how to find you if they're interested in working with you or hosting you to come into one of their own programs? Yeah, that's my lane right now. I'm really helping people who want to know how to use music more intelligently to, to roll that into their toolkit and then bring that to the clients that they serve in a way that's useful and meaningful. And there's mm-hmm. no license on this. It's just, you know, music is out there. If you want to know why mm-hmm. it's working, read the research. But if you just want to dive in and do it, you know, I can help you with that. So um, best way to find out about me is quest.musiccare.net. So quest is the old-fashioned quest for the Holy Grail kind of quest, Q-U-E-S-T dot musiccare, two Cs, dot net, because there's a network of people who want to know how to do this. It's a movement, Ah. people. We're trying Uh to put a movement together here, a groundswell of of re-engaging people, and instead of having to be the musical expert, to to re-engage every one of us with what music can do. So quest.musiccare.net. I hope you truly enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis.